Welcome to day two of Ephesians in the month of lunches. We're studying the book of Ephesians together in a, a short time uh, every day. And hopefully as we go through this book together, we'll come away with a closer understanding of uh, the amazing things that God's done for us and how our heart response should be to those amazing things that he's done and provided for us. So um, yesterday we ended with prayer. Today I'm going to start with prayer. So Lord, I just pray that you just help us to open our hearts and open our minds to the word of God. Help us to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation involved in our lives today as we unpack the word of God in a, in a way that reveals Jesus. That's the goal of all scriptures, to understand you more completely and to see Jesus in every page and every letter and help us to see how that doesn't just apply to the church in general, but that how that applies to us in general. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, I would encourage you to read and study the book of Ephesians as we're going through it. Just read some, some the verses as we're going through those. Meditate on those. Um, if you know how to... Uh, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate on scripture. How do you worry? You think about something and you just agonize over it. Think about what if this happens? What if that happens? What if he says this? What if she does that? What if they find out about this? What? And most of the time it doesn't happen. On, on the negative side of what worry is, is evil meditation. Satan has weaponized, perverted, twisted something that God's given the believer as a way to uh, really un unleash the word of God and its power and its benefits into our hearts and our minds and then get its understanding in us as well. So I just tell you, as you're studying the book of Ephesians, uh, there'll be times where I'm old enough to remember Kmart having something. There's this K store called Kmart. There's not a lot of them around anymore. But you'd be in there and all of a sudden you hear over the intercom, attention Kmart customers, there's a blue light flashing in the sports department or whatever, and they call them blue light specials. And if you wanted that special, you had to get to that area while the light was flashing, and then you get you could you could get whatever special deal was going on for that item. As we're going through the book of Ephesians, that uh, we may be talking about something. It may be something I talked about last time where we would hop on and hop off wherever. The Holy Spirit may start flashing that blue light on a verse that I'm not even parked on. You listen to the Holy Spirit and just, I encourage you, get the Word of God out and start going over that. When the, when the Holy Spirit has that blue light flashing, that means that He's ready to activate your face so that you can get something from God in that area. And so I just encourage you to uh, get some richness out of this study and don't just look at me as a source. The Word of God is the source, not this guy. So... Uh, Wherever the blue lights flash and for you, I, I encourage you to take some time and, and hear what the Spirit says. Even if you have to hit pause on this study to get in the Word and do it, I, I encourage you as well to hop off, take some time, and get what God wants for you before you hop back on this study, okay? All right, so let's move forward. So uh, picking up from la last time, if Ephesus now. Ephesus was a capital in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. We know that Rome was the main capital, but this was a capital of an area of that part of the empire. It's a very wealthy city. Uh, the seat of government and religion was in that area. Uh, there was a lot of wealth because it connected to trade routes from the east to the west. People would stop there. They would worship. There was temples to... Uh, uh, Diana or Artemis, depending on if you uh, which um, language you you got out of there. But you know, it's a really weird looking 
uh, deity. It's a statue of a woman with multiple breasts because of fertility and all that. Ironically enough, if you want to see uh, what it looks like, there is a, a statue of that goddess in the Vatican for some reason. <clears throat> um, the population in that time was around a million people. This was no small city. They'd stop there to sell goods, to buy goods, make some influential connections, also stop and worship and idolatry in the temple and, and everything else. And as I mentioned last time, uh, Ephesus is modern-day Turkey. Uh, you can actually go there today. They've they've uh, archaeologists have excavated the roads and, and a lot of the areas there. Matter of fact, the twenty five thousand seat amphitheater that you read about in Acts nineteen and twenty, where they were throwing a fit and almost had Paul arrested and, and his followers um, because a silversmith was was threatened by Paul's preaching and teaching because it was hurting their their idol industry. That huge twenty five thousand seat uh, theater is still there. You could actually go see it today. Um, so that being said, we are now looking at Paul's letter to this church. And the first thing he's telling them, yes, you're a wealthy city, but he wants them to understand the wealth that a Christian believer has. And so um, he uses the words in Christ 27 times in this book. Because he wants us to know that uh, we are linked in him and we have riches. Uh, Ephesus had a bank. Uh, they were a banking center in that region. And it was continually linked to the wealth of believers. You'll see that theme, especially in the first part of Ephesians, over and over again. Ephesians helps us to know who we are. Uh, we need to know, if we know who we are, which is, and who we belong to, we belong to God, we know what to do with our lives is nothing more confusing than a Christian who doesn't know what to do with their lives. We have the hard part settled. If we know we belong to God, then we know the next pieces also belong to God. Uh, it's only when we try to have double-mindedness and compartmentalizes the piece we, pieces of our lives we want to give to God and the pieces of our lives that we want to still belong to us that we run into messes. And so this book helps us to get clarity on that. Uh, okay, so verse 1, it says, uh, this letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, and he goes, and he said, you know, he's writing to, I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers in Christ Jesus. Now, again, some translations do not have the in Ephesus part because a lot of people think that that was meant to be a circular letter where it's to be passed around. So they didn't just want to just pigeonholed it to the people of Ephesus only. Splitting hairs at this point. It's in our Bible. It's for us. God really blesses us with it. So, so enjoy. Um, so it says it's written to Christians uh, in Christ. And so looking at the language there, and again, in this study, I'm not going to, I will allude to what the Greek means and all that, but I'm not going to go into a lot of the actual words. If you want some of those, reach out to me. I'm happy to do that. But in the scope of the study, I want to be brief and move through. But the Greek connotation would be similar to the wording where Jesus talked about in John 14 through 17. He talked about that he's the vine, we're the branches, and uh, and be, that we're abiding in the vine to bear fruit. He's talking to Christians who are in Christ, abiding in the vine and nourishing, getting nourishment from Christ, but also nourishing other Christians. Um, we're dual citizens. I just talked about this, but 
we're citizens of heaven and citizens of earth, and the troubles arise when we forget and, pre and get preoccupied with this world. The spiritual is more real than the natural. And we keep, because we're carnal and we're in this physical world, the physical is what a lot of us dial in on. Whereas if we understand when we pass away and our physical bodies are done, our spirits keep going. The spirit is much more real than the physical. And uh, that's why the last part of Ephesians, I don't want to jump ahead too quickly, but we start jumping into spiritual warfare because that's a very real thing. Um, but in verse two, it says, may God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Grace and peace is a customary greeting that Paul used in, uh, all his letters with, um, this is a Christianized form of contemporary Hebrew and Greek greetings. So, um, a lot of people understand when it says, uh, grace in that, in that culture, it was a very common, that word grace, we know that to be the word charis, which is the gifts and, and, but there's another part, which is favor. And so a common greeting, if you were to see a Greek walking down a road, you'd say, you would say grace, or you'd say favor upon you. It'd be just like saying, hello, how are you doing today? It's, it's very similar. It was very common. And so Paul reaching to Gentiles and, and ministering to Gentiles, wanted to reach out to them in a, in a way specific to them. But then the other side of it is Paul was a Jew, and he also had Jewish people he was writing to and connecting with, and so he added peace. And if you know anything about uh, about the uh, culture then, and even today, if you go to Israel and you're walking there, what is the common greeting you're going to hear? Shalom or peace. And so that was part of the greeting they had there. So this is... Um, this is where Paul was at. And then he said, uh, grace also indicates God's free saving initiative and restores us to peace with him. And there's some other things there as well. Uh, verse three says, all praise to God, the father our, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. So if you go and look at this again, and if you looked at, we to read this in the Greek verse three through 14 is actually a poem and it's one line. If you want to talk, if you want to drive an English teacher crazy, have this, th think about a run on sentence from verse three through verse 14. There's that's one sentence. And, um, but it talks about us being blessed with every spiritual realm. And it's because of our being united with Christ. The first goal is, uh, as Christians should be to be united in Christ, not seeking the blessings. Blessings are always connected to the relationship. Um, the relationship doesn't become because of blessings. We are not in relationship with God because of what we can bring to the table. And we should not be seeking God because of what he brings to the table. We seek him because we want a relationship and not the blessings. You've probably heard it said to seek. We need to seek the blesser, not the blessing. To seek his face, not seek his hand. Uh, think about David when you talk about Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then he go on after that. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And he's talking about he who heals my disease and all that. He wasn't dialed in on the benefits. He was dialed in on the Lord. And that needs to be our heart as well. Um, and uh, so looking at this, uh, again, he's talking about blessing in heavenly realms. Because I'm going to touch on this again. Conflict 
of can take place spiritually and we'll see the fruit of it in the physical area. So say that there's strife or something like that. That strife is an undercurrent of what's going on in the spirit and the fruit comes out in the natural. And that's something that you need spiritual solutions to. So uh, we need to understand that sometimes we need to have an understanding of what's going on in the spiritual and understand that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places that we need to fight against spiritual opposition. And if you don't believe um, how far we've gone in needing to be able to access those blessings, think about the culture, the time, and the day we're living in. This is where I'll close today. If you think about it, it's not too far back where, you know, you would have atheists that would say, well, look at the science, the science, look at the science, look at the science. And they would use that to shut down Christian arguments and get creationism taken out of, of textbooks in high schools and elementary schools and middle schools and colleges uh, and get you blackballed. If you tried to teach it in college, you'd lose your tenure as a professor. It just had all kinds of ugliness and ramifications. Then you went on through time. And if you remember back 2015, uh, they passed, uh, Supreme Court passed a law uh, making same-sex marriage legal from coast to coast in the United States of America. At that time, the majority of Americans were against it. And within a few short years, they went from legalizing it and legislating it to not only is it accepted by a majority of Americans, but it's celebrated and you're villainized if you were an opponent to it. Now, why do I bring that up? is because you can have evidence of all those things happening. You can show people how quickly things have changed and the same people did a 180, including a lot of people who are in churches saying they believe the Bible, but completely ignoring or suppressing that part of the Bible is because the truth is irrelevant. When, they, when there's spiritual forces, they don't care about the truth. They're deceived. And they don't care. And so the only way that you can demolish those, those blinders and those strongholds and get through that is with something that is spiritual. Because the blindness that has went across this nation and the spirit of slumber toward Christianity, it's just, it's all swept across. Is it's, it's spiritual. We don't have to look around very far at all to see there's a devil loose. We are now calling good evil and evil good all day long. Um, so that being said, as we get ready to go through this, I love that the book of Ephesians starts out with identity and who we are, but it ends with spiritual warfare and how to apply that identity when it comes to uh, facing the enemy and facing the darkness in this world. And, and to remember that People aren't our enemy. They're deceived. They're they're being they're being deceived by the deceiver. And our goal should be to help Jesus set those captives free while doing damage to the enemy's kingdom. All right, let's go ahead and stop there today. And uh, we will pick up again next week with Ephesians and a month of lunches. Have a good weekend.